0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. I am your host, Adam O'Macias, tuning in all the way from Los Angeles, California. This is the podcast about touring in the music industry, the music industry. We just like to talk about the jobs and everything that goes on in the music industry. So thank you so much for joining us this week. This week, we have an amazing guest, as we always do, the wonderful Mike Mowry. And I've known Mike for a long time. I've had the pleasure of knowing him. Different eras of his career, mostly as a manager. And I've learned since doing this podcast that he's been in the industry for much longer than I have known him. And man, hearing him talk through this podcast is amazing. But Mike is a manager and he manages artists. Well, most importantly, or most notably, he manages an artist by the name of Ice Nine Kills currently. That is his main artist. But other than that, man, he is just an amazing teacher. He's got a lot of insight on what it takes to be a manager in the music industry. And even if you aren't thinking of being a manager, there's just a lot of good career advice, life advice, or how insight and how the industry works in the back end. Because the manager, they are the talking point to the artist. So the artist talks to the manager and the manager talks to all the other parts of the business that make a band or an artist tick. So a very important part. And no matter what job you have or end up having in this industry, you are most likely at some point get the opportunity to talk to a manager maybe it'll be backstage maybe it'll be to figure out how much you're getting paid on tour but they are the decision making the no and yes tellers of what the band wants to do so that's what they do so mike was a very good podcast guest one of the best i learned a lot just not only what he said but how he said it was so well put and if you want to learn more from him or go a little bit more in depth he does have some resources under outer loop and we will link those in the caption. So check those out. They're amazing. I've read through the ebook myself. I kept calling it a document in the podcast, but it's really is an ebook. It's pretty long, goes in depth on what actually a manager does and how they do it. So before we get into the episode, I just want to say thank you to our patrons. We did not get any new ones today, but that is okay because the current patrons that exist contributed heavily to this podcast. I did name a few that asked questions. Some of the others I might have integrated their questions in a little more organically, but Regardless, I appreciate you guys being a part of these interviews because it's great. So we'll knock another job off the list. We now know what a manager does or you will know in an hour and we'll keep working towards it. we got some more jobs to go into. So if you want to become more a part of the podcast, feel free to sign up on our Patreon chat in the discord, leave some suggestions, you know, and also thank you to all the patrons who support the podcast. We appreciate it. That's what makes this possible as it pays Connor's bills. That's what, you know, helps me pay all the fees associated with this. It just, it just makes it so, you know, I'm not living on the streets and doing podcasts. So thank you. All right, enjoy this episode of Don't Shit on the Bus, all about what a manager does in the music industry. Uh, Welcome, welcome to the bus, Mike, how you doing, man?
1: I am fantastic, my friend. It is always good to see you. You are one of the lights of the industry in my mind. You've always been that way. You're all smiles. You got a lot of curiosity and I'm honored that, uh, you'd give two craps to talk to me. So I'm fantastic.
0: Hey, it's mutual. I did not think we were going to, I don't know if I've started a podcast and all the ones I've done yet where the person has been so kind to me. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you.
1: Well, you know, I, uh, haven't always been the kindest person in the world, but I think, you know, COVID allowed us all to have a little bit of a reset and, um, you know, I've dabbled in the podcast world myself and overall, I just, I have an appreciation for, yeah, like, you know, guys like you who are extremely talented and have done something and then, yeah, you kind of branch into something else and yeah, you just approach it with a nice um curiosity. So I don't know, maybe you just caught me on a good day.
0: <laughs> well, and, and on the flip side, like, I really appreciate that you came on here to talk about it because I really like when somebody does something and they do it for such a large period of their life that they really learn all the different levels of it and then eventually start teaching it and really learn it. Because I feel like once you start teaching it, then you really, really know how the job works. Says, says a guy that teaches photography. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Hey, now I'm talking about you, but no. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure you can agree. You probably learned so much more as soon as you're like, Oh, but how do you go from you know, intentionally wanting to do this from the ground up because not everybody falls into it intentionally. I guess you'd say.
1: Yeah, completely. And you know, uh, I appreciate the comments first and foremost, and and the compliments. One of the biggest challenges in any role in the industry is trying to explain to those who you work with what it is you're actually doing, right? <laughs> and for a manager, sometimes that's the actual hardest part. And so, part of teaching it, right? There's this natural desire for me to. Impart whatever I've learned. And I don't know where that comes from necessarily, Mm -hmm. other than it, no one gave me a a clear pathway to get to where I am. I think many people from my generation and, and probably even yours, that's the same case. And I found that there was a thirst for people trying to navigate. And I watched and I'm like, oh man, I've already, you know, I've gone over that mountain, gone through that, you know, river and around that bend. And if I can make that process easier for someone, I wanted to be able to do it, but the the gift that was given was, oh, it actually taught me how to communicate with my artists much better, right? Because artists don't inherently know what the heck the members on their team do any more than somebody trying to break into the industry.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good point. And I can't wait to get into the specifics of that. I definitely add that, you know, Mike was nice enough to send me kind of a, a PDF or basically his overview of how he starts teaching people about this job. And it really gave me some more insight on some other things that I should touch on that I didn't even realize this to touch on. And that was one of them. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, I mean, before we get into what your job is, I know you said that, you know, there wasn't really a clear path when you were trying to get in this industry, but what if we could briefly touch on your path and how you found your way to being a manager? I mean, I want to, I want to know how Mike got here. Oh, good. I appreciate
1: it. So, you know, uh, at the age of 14, I got bit by like the punk rock, hardcore bug, you know, this <laughs> is the late eighties and, you know there was just something about it that you know grabbed me and of course as you probably know uh from dabbling in that world you know so much of that was like diy do it yourself yeah. and i was like real underground you know i mean this is pre-green day this is pre you know blank like large punk bands i mean this is like underground diy punk hardcore and in fact most of it was kind of anti-business frankly because It was existing in a place where we didn't need the industry. We didn't want the industry. It was a culture. And frankly, anytime the quote unquote industry and money got involved, it sort of diluted the culture. Right. (laughs) So I did that for a very long time. I, I put on shows, I released records, I put out zines, you know, this is through the eighties and into the nineties. And then in the late nineties, a good friend of mine asked me to join his band. I said, well, there's only one challenge. I don't actually play an instrument and he said dude this is punk rock i'll teach you how to play bass <laughs> you know like
0: you were in a band i do not know that in a band.
1: yeah that's awesome and you know he and i were great friends and it really worked well i you know uh we released our own records pretty much for the most part we booked all of our own tours again still incredibly diy we toured all over the world you know we both loved touring and I, you know, I know you got that bug at some point in your life yeah, and yeah. early on. It's just so magical, you know, to be in a different place every day is sort of heavenly. And to see the world in that way is it's just, you know, an experience that I I wouldn't give up no matter what. And then at some point, you know, I've got all of the logistics down and, you know, through networking and just sort of being around the scene, you know, you meet people and one day you get a phone call and there's an artist from Sweden who needed a, they actually didn't need a tour manager they needed somebody with a van yeah and um
0: (laughs) a way to get around
1: yeah exactly and so they called a good friend of ours this back in dc where i lived at the time and he he was going through some personal stuff and he couldn't do it so he knew i had a van he called me next thing you know i'm you know on the phone with booking agents and you know all these people that i i'm sort of like again i'm coming from punk i'm like we didn't need these things like and this is a punk band mind you but This artist was coming over for three dates. turned into a full U.S. tour, turned into me being a tour manager, which was a natural extension of what I was doing for my own band. Yeah. Essentially, I was always good at logistics, always fine with numbers, being able to, you know, get around. And so I became a tour manager. I didn't even mean to become a tour manager. I just became one. and, And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed starting to get into the business of music, even though it's an isolated part being on tour. And so that ran its course, you know, we, I did that for five plus years, you know, some, some years more tours than others, um, maybe even been a little longer. And then once again, just like with this random call for tour management in 2004, some good friends of mine that played in a metal band called darkest hour that were essentially a punk band, you know, metal influence. They were on victory. This is right when that underground world of bleeding through and Throwdown and whoever else was you know, starting to emerge and they, they got the opportunity to go on OzFest. So all of a sudden they needed a manager and they didn't want to, you know, hear in quotes a man, you know, a manager that's just going to come in and take their money and not care. So they went to the guy who maybe knew, a, you know, a tad bit more than them and asked me to be their manager. And so I said, sure, let's give it a shot. As a tour manager, I dealt with managers I sort of was like, this can't be that
0: hard, dude. Yeah, you piece it together.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Turns out there's a lot more to do than I ever thought uh, at the time that I signed on for the job. And then, you know, it just kind of unfolded from there. Um, So that was back 2004, 2005. And, you know, I've been managing more or less full time, you know, for the last, I guess, if we do the math, 17 years.
0: You're almost at 20. That's cool.
1: You know? you know, if you go back to the first time I ever did anything in the industry, I guess that would have been 1993 or 94. So yeah, that would be uh, (laughs) almost 30, right? Yeah. I'm coming up on 30 years of of doing something tangential to music, contributing in some capacity.
0: Well, and the thing I like about your story, and I find it a lot of people who have maybe been in the industry for a similar amount of time have similar stories where like you said, there wasn't a book or a guide to this back when you started and just to hear how you got into it or fell into it naturally because of your skills and what you like and what you enjoy is so nice. And I like that you have now turned around and helped other people and are continuing to help other people. Maybe make it not a 20-year journey to get or a 10-year journey. You know, maybe it's a little bit shorter for them to get to what they want to do. Maybe it's just as long. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, they can get to being a manager or tour manager because they know, hey, I know where I want to go. I can work towards it. So that's cool. Thanks. You're it's, welcome.
1: With the beauty of hindsight, right? Yeah. It's totally right. <laughs> cool. Like in the, in the midst of it, sometimes it's like, Oh my God, you know, pulling hair out countless, you know, nights of, of not sleeping well and years of maybe not even living well. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, no, you know that. And, and any, everybody that that's done this in one form or another, most people, you know, that's part of what makes the process so beautiful Now that maybe I'm on the other side of it, at least for the, for the time being.
0: Yeah, I like that. All right. So I guess moving into, you know, your job as a manager, now you've been doing managing more or less, you said for 17 years, when you are going to tell somebody, you know, this is what I do now that you understand how it works. I don't know. What is the description of being a manager to somebody who maybe hasn't worked in the music industry or deciding if they want to, or maybe it's the person next to you on a flight.
1: Yeah. Great question. And there's a few different ways to answer it, depending on maybe how I'm feeling. I mean, the simplest way, you know, from a business standpoint is you're more or less the CEO of the brand that is the band, okay? Right? The company that is the band. So the challenge with that one is if you're a CEO, normally you're actually, you have a, a, a different authority. When you're a manager, your authority may or may not it actually exist. I'm more like a CEO consultant because for the artists that I manage, ultimately, I advise them, right? Yeah. They, they make the decisions. It's their money. It's their business. It's their operation, right? So you're that's like, one way to look at it. Go ahead. I was going to say you're like
0: in charge, but not in
1: charge. It's oh, exactly. Day. And it's really challenging at times because you can see something as clear as day or think you see something as clear as day because- I always want to give artists benefit of the doubt. Great artists in particular who know their brand and know their, their music. They teach me so much each and every day. And uh, I hate to try to assume there was a time that kind of, I assumed, like, dude, I know more than you let me handle this part of it. And there is some of that, of course, right? I mean, there's a difference between art, art and commerce, right? What I discern with the artists is what is their goals. My, I'm trying to help them figure out what their goals are. Okay, so ultimately, right? Then, if I'm a CEO, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to make sure everything happens, right? I'm supposed to make sure that whatever we've determined is our goal. If we're in a band that's trying to be commercially successful or some version of that, we're trying to maximize that. And what does that look like? And so, I'm. Um, The one who can and should ensure that every aspect of the business, which there are many that we're trying to, you know, accomplish, we've got someone hired in that position and that person's doing their job and I'm communicating to everyone exactly where we are and where we're trying to go. So another simple version is like, I don't know if you're a fan of basketball, if you don't have to be, there's five people on a team, right? Right. We're kind of like a co-captain with the band. Okay. Trying to we're trying to go and win the game. And then, you know, the there's there's the band, you know, I'm holding up my fingers. One is the the manager or the management team, two is the band, three is the record label if you have one, you know, four is the merchandise company, uh, five's the booking agent, right? Okay. There's so many more roles than that, but on a day by day basis, I'm mainly dealing with agent who's booking the shows, label who's helping us with music merchandise who's helping us sell our t-shirts right there's more roles than that attorneys publicists publishers got it tour managers tour staff radio programmers blah 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 blah, oh blah. My God. i know there's a lot right and so my job is to ensure that all of those people know what we're trying to accomplish and that they're doing their job
0: so everybody's on the same page working in the same direction and most importantly everybody's on the same team trying to accomplish the goals that you know the, the artist has trusted and taught to you so that then you can speak or be the loudspeaker to all these other pieces and everything can work cohesively to ultimately get you to that, you know, agreed upon goal.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, you in there, you talked about, uh, you know, the relationship between the manager and the artist, and that can look so different Mm -hmm. depending on who the managers are and who the artists are. Right. I mean, there's plenty of managers who are incredibly creative. There's plenty of managers who are incredibly skilled at marketing. There's, you know, my background is touring. Yeah. Right. And logistics. But most people who end up as managers didn't start that way. They started somewhere else. And for whatever reason, like I got a random phone call that said, maybe it's not so random. I got a phone call that said, hey, we need a manager and you seem to be good at, you know, certain things. Uh, But I came with a touring and logistical background. So I didn't necessarily come in early on and mess with creative as I've done this long enough, I've gotten more versed in that much more comfortable with it. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a nuance in terms of what an artist might want in their manager. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy is always more or less anything we're trying to accomplish that we see a void in. My job is to make sure that there's somebody on the team, either existing or hired out that can help fill that
0: void. Okay. That makes sense. Damn. It's like, the more I learn about jobs, the more I always have an appreciation for them. And this is no exception. Uh, I wanted to, as you were talking, what, something that came to mind is, you know, there are all these jobs that you work with. And a, a concept we've talked about here is scaling, right? When an artist is smaller, they might just have a manager. And then as they get bigger, they get a booking agent, merchandise, all these other things. And then even bigger, you, you know, you get a lawyer and all these other jobs you're ma- mentioning. But when, so, when an artist first gets a manager, I guess I want to know, like, when... In their career, do they kind of either make that decision or kind of start doing that? Like you were saying with Darkest Hour, um, like what causes an artist to acquire somebody like you?
1: Well, ultimately, I think my experience says that the best artist slash manager relationships exist when the artist is doing something on their own and the need for someone else to come in and add value to that, you know, exists. And so we've seen it. In fact, the era where you and I kind of, you know, met and thrived. Oftentimes there was managers that wanted to identify the next new talent and kind of got in and managed things almost too early would be, you know,
0: you got to let them do their thing. Exactly. Find themselves
1: completely, you know, but it's hard because artists want to, like most humans want to be a step ahead or 10 steps ahead or a hundred steps ahead of where they are. And they think that the way to get there is to have something external, some person, people, you know, you name it, do that for them. There's no clear cut answer, right? I've watched it work where an artist who really has nothing going on, but maybe one song and a bunch of hype gets a manager and it works. I've watched, you know, I've also watched that completely fall on its face. It was just too early my experience is typically I've got to see where it can go and the artist has to have proven themselves in some capacity that they're able to do things on their own.
0: Gotcha. So you basically need to make sure that they're ready enough for the relationship. I mean, it seems, I mean, the relationship seems so important. So, I mean, before we get into that too much, I actually wanted to ask you, this comes from one of our patrons, Greg, he was wondering and I am wondering as well, what are some of the best characteristics or ideal characteristics if somebody is trying to figure out their path in this industry and they think they might be a good manager, what would somebody like that identify in themselves? I know you said there's a variety of different types of managers, but maybe we can generalize a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you've got to be able to think on your feet and think fast and and solve problems Yeah, right, very quickly. You know, it's hard because uh, I would say you need to be organized, right? You've got to have an organizational skill set. If, you know, if you don't know how to, you also have to be a self-starter. It's very much like being entrepreneurial, frankly. And again, there's exceptions to all these rules. I mean, there's plenty of like songwriter producers that go on to become great managers. Yeah. And the true value where the, where they start is they just click with an artist in a way like you're saying that that relationship is so important. And so there's this mutual trust about the core thing that most artists are trying to do, which is create great music. Right. So uh, that, you know, I've watched people come from that pathway. Yeah. But the thing that allows them to stay in doing what they're doing is again, they are able to either adapt or teach or be taught the skills necessary to function in the business. I mean, One of the things I have to do each and every day is sell my band. It doesn't feel like selling. I'm not like trying to sell you a car, but I've got to be vocal. I'm trying to help them create opportunities. Yeah. And so if I can't get people to listen to me or I can't figure out how to track people down and, you know, get them to spend time with me so I can advocate for my artists for those opportunities, I'm not going to be very effective at that. Gotcha. So I do think being, you know, again, it's like, I'm answering with all the things that I know I am like, I advocate being like a people person because <laughs> I'm a people person, right? That's, that's part of what makes this part of what I like about my job is it does accentuate the way I do my job accentuates the things that I like in myself, but I watch plenty of other managers. You don't have to be an outgoing
0: person, right? You, you, there's different fits for everybody. Like you totally. can kind of make the job into your own thing.
1: Yeah. And my encouragement, and again, uh, there's a going to be a bias here because I only know my path and then what I assume have been other people's paths. But yeah, I do believe that no one really starts out to just become a manager. I think they do something else and then become a manager. And part of that might be because getting those other jobs of doing something like if I came to you, Adam, and you had a band and I said, Hey, let me manage you. And you said, well, what have you done? And I say nothing.
0: If I said, yes, it would say a lot about me.
1: (laughs) Right. It's like, ah, but if I come to you and say, Hey, I've toured all over the world in my own band. yeah, And then I was a tour manager and I've ordered merch, you know, and I've cleared customs and I've booked flights and I've done all of these things, you know, you might say, Oh, okay, well, at least this guy's done something right in the late nineties. A lot of A and R guys, as the industry downsides because of pirating and all that, a lot of you know, frankly, really good A and R guys got let go of job and from their jobs. Many of those people became great managers because, as I'm holding up my phone, which is still <laughs> true to this day, it's really the only tool I need. Yeah. All the other tools are great, you know, but I, I could do this job without this computer. I wouldn't be able to be on your podcast. Well, maybe I would, but
0: I, I wouldn't be as. Oh, as, we could do, as, do a Zoom on a phone.
1: Yeah but keeping us away. um you know <laughs> part of the beauty of getting into management is there's low overhead presumably right my friends who started record labels well they had to figure out how to finance those record labels all gotcha. i had to do was figure out how to show up to the show and you know buy dinner maybe
0: that makes sense and i like what you said about you know when somebody comes to you and asks you like well what have you done and you could say all these things you have done because you come from the touring background and it made me think like oh i do know a lot of people who tour and then go into management and the thing that makes your position unique is now that helps you have such a better relationship with your artists because when you're telling them what to do on the road or the routing or you're helping with all these things, you've experienced it, you've lived it, you understand what it's like to have to clear customs, to have to you know, go to bed at three and then get up for a flight at six. You can relate to them much more because in a way a manager is, they're almost an extension of the band and you gotta be able to vibe with them and have that strong relationship.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think I I haven't had, you know, arena level success or stadium level success. You know, again, I appreciate the point. I do have something that the band can tangibly say we've got in common. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not required. You can easily hire somebody. You know, there's plenty of management companies that have touring specialists. You don't need to be able to tour or ever have been on tour at all. I think it helps. Right. But I've never produced a record, Yeah. right? That shouldn't preclude me from being an artist manager because I can't relate to them there. So again, I do appreciate the point. I think especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I became a manager, it's when, again, pirating of music was rampant. That's where the big transition for developing artists was to touring, Right bands be started to tour to make a living so yeah. it becomes much more advantageous for a guy like me or other tour managers to then leap into that position because that's what the band's doing most of the time
0: man i like your uh i don't know if to call it attention to detail but you're very good at this i'm just like the things you say and that kind of you maybe not catch me on but that educate me on and the way you do it it's, it's really you're really good
1: well thanks i mean I think a lot about this stuff and I and I genuinely, you know, care a lot about it. So uh I'm glad to hear that, you know, it connects and lands because it's kind of what I live and breathe.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm learning a lot other than I'm learning not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it is really nice to hear. Okay, well, I mean, I'm just recapping what we've done. We've talked about kind of how you got into the job, what your job is on a very base level. I know it goes much deeper. I wanted to go over, you know, somebody's thinking about becoming a manager or they're talking to a manager and they're like, okay, I know kind of what you do and you, you're the CEO of this business, you connect all these parts, you help with the brand aspect of the band. But do you think you could help me kind of as much as I know there is not a typical day in the life for you? Do you think you could help me just walk through a daily routine for you? Like what does your life look like managing every day? And if there's a few different types of days, is that too broad of a question or can we do that?
1: No, I think uh, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. I've lived through most of today, so I should be able <laughs> to use today as a good example. Right? Yes, I love it. So, you know, aside from I'm, I'm an early riser as opposed to a night owl. Sometimes that's great in this business. Sometimes it's not. But, you know, I was up early, did some personal things, got some exercise, did that kind of fun stuff. And then, you know, by 830 in the morning, I was on the phone with the UK. Uh, our booking agent in the UK, right? We're planning some touring, fielding some opportunities. So the booking agent who's the person that actually either, you know, solidifies the touring opportunities with other artists or if we're headlining, right? Does the deals with the individual venues in whatever territory. So our European, UK European booking agent is calling me to say, hey, you know, here's some opportunities that we need to go over. So I do that phone call, got to gather some more information. Thankfully, there's some really exciting stuff. And, you know, I get caught up in some stuff. There's a new territory that we're the band, Ice Nine Kills, the band I work with has been offered. And like, you know, I'm like, I want to go there. Like, yeah, let's figure out how to confirm this thing. Right. <laughs> <Congrats>. well, <laughs> well, thanks. So then uh, I spend a lot of time. Ice Nine Kills is, is the main artist I manage at the moment. And as you're probably familiar, uh, I know you know Mike Cortada. That's the artist, the artist, and he does all of our graphic design. And so, we're in the middle of planning a tour. I'm on the phone with him, kind of going over the details. We also have a very robust merchandise business. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, as we're attempting to get through uh, this tour art, he's got to know that, you know, next week, I don't know when this will air, but as we're recording this, next week is Black Friday. You know, we want to do Black Friday things, blah, 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 simultaneously. Amidst all of this, there's usually emails and texts that are kind of going back and forth, either with artists or other industry people. You know, I'm talking to the tour manager who is out there, you know, maybe asking some questions. I'm talking to the artist themselves. Maybe about some questions or some follow up of what I need for them. Thankfully, I've got other people who work with me on the band, so I'm trying to keep them apprised of anything that you know they need answers on. That was basically between the hours of you know 8:30 and noon. Uh, we have an artist in town from Sweden that we manage. They're called Solens. Those guys are here doing writing sessions predominantly. So some of these emails are about getting them in with other writers. To collaborate on, so we took them to lunch. So got to spend two hours, you know, kicking it in L.A. in November, uh, out in the warm weather, eating lunch, you know, which is great. It's, it's great. a perk of the job for sure. You know, on the way back, I talked to their booking agent about some opportunities. Ice Night Kills attorney called me, you know, to go over a few things, but mostly, right? It's on the phone constantly and you know, it will continue. We're lucky enough to do this podcast. I'll go from here to talking to two other managers about an opportunity that um, we're exploring. And, you know, this just happens to be the day that that's the only stuff, you know, related, you know, on any other given day, I might be on the phone or emailing with business management, make sure the bills are paid, make sure that we're projecting, you know, kind of when money's coming in, how we can pay out. I might be on the phone with individual band members about, any number of things i like to set my days up where i can be proactive in the morning and that way in the afternoon and evening i can kind of feel the incoming if that makes sense yes and then yeah i mean i'll be on my phone in one form or another until i go to bed (laughs) gotcha and if
0: you've ever well if anybody's ever hung out with a manager i can contest to the i think that's the right word i uh, I can't i was as i was saying i was like Adam, use the words, you know,
1: this is not a test, but you can attest
0: a test. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I can attest to the fact that, you know, you guys are on your phones you guys are working a lot because it's, it's a full-time job. It's almost like becomes, you know, you have artists are always working. They're always working on their brand and you have to be there to fill in the gaps or just help them with their reach, you know, help make everything come true. And I respect your guys' worth ethic. It's, it's insane. How many, how many emails you send in a day?
1: Um, you know, Adam, I don't count the emails. I just make them count.
0: Um, <laughs> I, do, I know that that came from your document. You sent me, right? Thank you. Yeah, and I was, that was, that was, I know I don't play basketball, but I could do volleyball. That was the bump set and you got the,
1: oh, look at that spike. Um, thank you for that. There, it can be a lot of volume. I mean, thankfully I'm in a position now where I, I'm not, you know, when you and I first met, I was managing a lot of artists and, um, that's what it took. You know, it was a volume-based business. I needed to do a lot of artists in order to, you know, I was running my own company. I had staff that I needed to pay and you know, there's just no easy way about it. I mean, until a band kind of breaks out, uh, you know, the juice is <laughs> not, you know, <laughs> the juice ain't so worth the squeeze, right? Yeah, but it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but again, because I have a passion for it. And because, uh, I enjoy, I truly enjoy the relationship with the artist themselves. Right. I've taken on and, and maybe even still continue to take on bands that, uh, you know, I don't know if I love the music, you know, I have to appreciate what they're doing and understand it, but I like the people, right. Because I'm not talking to their song each and every day. Right. I'm not, <laughs> I'm talking to the artists themselves. I want to be inspired by the artist and have, you know, some interaction there, you know, kind of going back to the, what do you do on a daily basis? You know, and, and all of last week I was traveling, you know, there was a big festival welcome to Rockville in Florida. So I got to go there and, and see the artist. It's not mandatory, you know, the show, uh, you'd have to ask the artist, but I can't imagine me being there makes the show any better. These are <laughs> professionals, right? They know what they're doing for me. It's again, I am going for a number of reasons. One is to support the artist, Two is, yeah, see if there's anything that maybe we can or should change. FaceTime in any business is important with people. Three is to shake the hands, kiss the rings of the people who, you know, give us these opportunities, right? The promoters and those kind of things. And lastly, connect with other people in the business. Other booking agents go to those things. Other managers go to those things. And so I did that and then took a weekend to spend some time with family. And then I was in New Orleans. You know, I sent kills headlined in a club that's a different show than, the festival. I wanted to see that show, kind of see how the support bands go and, you know, just kind of not really troubleshoot. You've been on the road a lot, you know, a good tour manager. It's like most stuff's pretty dialed in, but I just, you know,
0: consulting, like you said, you kind of go and make sure it's all working. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So that's a fun part of it. It can also be grueling as you know, travel is, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's fantastic, but also exhausting but I love that part of it as well.
0: Yeah, and I I like what you said, you know, you're you're working, well, maybe you didn't specifically say this, but you know, you're going to these things to support them. You're a fan of hopefully the music, but mostly the people that make it. And we had a question from the Patreon from Herberto and he worded it as what's the hardest part of dealing with different types of personalities. Uh, I don't know if dealing with it's the right word, but you know, how do you as a manager, you know, band is not just one person, it's multiple people. How do you intake all those different requests and personalities and kind of turn it into a plan.
1: Yeah, I think so. And you know, (laughs) most artists and thanks to your patrons for participating. I think it's so cool.
0: Thank you for thanking them. That's nice of you.
1: Yeah. I think with artists, it, you know, there's sort of two questions in here or two sides of this. One is most artists have one or two decision makers. Within the band. Within the band. Okay. Right. Not always the case. Some are outright democracies, but most artists over time kind of figure out there's one or two guys that gravitate sort of towards the business side and the opportunities. And it doesn't mean they don't discuss it with the other members. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Ice Nine Kills, Spencer, the frontman, is the decision maker. It makes my life a lot easier. I gotta go to <laughs> one guy to talk to him and get his concerns and help make those decisions, right? But by and large, and this is through a lot of like outside work if you will that's not managing itself i i try to understand where people are coming from nobody's going to plant a flag in the sand and say the you know the buck stops here without some sort of underlying need right yeah. they're trying to figure out and so i i really try to ask the questions of you know from maybe a different way than i did 10 years ago five years ago, maybe even three years ago, right? I try to empathize, which is a skill, it's a learn skill. I was really bad at it when I first started managing. I've gotten better because I, I learned, right? When I don't empathize with my artists, no matter how good a job I'm doing, I get fired, right? And I don't like being fired. So there is no right or wrong way to do it. And I think each artist and each person, I mean, there are some artists who, have a very clear kind of like decision-making structure, if you will, you know, almost like a matrix, which I'm always impressed by that. To me, it's kind of a little bit more of like a feeling and yeah, you just work through it. I spend a lot of time answering questions that, you know, I'm like, why on earth are we covering this? <laughs> uh, you know, trust me, Yeah, please. And over time, like any relationship, trust is built. But yeah. as I said, I always try to ensure that the artist feels heard because it's their life and their livelihood i can manage more than one band at a time they can only i mean they could be in more band but really they've got one shot
0: it sounds like like earlier i was noticing how good you are at this and it sounds like it's mostly because your job is attention to detail like it sounds like you are looking at the detail and communicating. Uh, in how everything, you know, consulting, it's how everything works, how everything, you you have to be aware of everything. And I'm noticing this more and more the more I talk to you. All right, well, we've gone over how you got into the job, kind of your daily routine, what it looks to, like to be a manager. And then once you are somebody's manager, you know, I was scanning through your document and something that stuck out to me is there's big decisions that have to be made in your position. And some of those decisions are, you know, when to sign a, a deal with a record label or when and where to go on tour. What are like when an artist goes from being an artist without a manager and then being an artist with a manager, what is your role in helping them make these decisions or what does that look like? And maybe if you could provide some more examples of, things you would qualify as big decisions. I honestly don't know enough to know more examples.
1: Yeah. In the ebook, which is the document. Um,
0: yeah. I, I didn't mean any negative. That's
1: okay. Negative kind no, of no, no, no. I'm, la- from- I'm laughing because, you know, I have a coaching platform that is sort of sitting dormant right now. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so bad at selling myself. I have a partner that helped me develop that ebook. Right. Yeah. He, he was somebody that used to do a podcast who I met when I was running my podcast company that had such a curiosity for kind of like these same sort of questions. Like, and this is stuff that guys like me that do this, you know, you just start to speak it like anything, you know, if I came to you and said, how did you get that amazing aerial photograph, you know, photograph of a day to remember at this place? And you're like, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, back up, back up, back up. How did you even get the drone or up on the ladder or whatever it is? (laughs) It's just, you know, it right. Because you do it, you live it, you breathe it. This is what i live and i breathe so in that relationship he wanted to glean a lot of this like what seemingly to me has become second nature uh in an effort to help people so we created a coaching platform released a couple of products and this free ebook was was part of that right so uh i believe the question was what are some of these major decisions and and how do you help the artists make them you know, it's going to always depend on where an artist is in their career, but building a team is really what a great manager does first and foremost. Right. And so earlier on, when I was given the basketball analogy, it's, You know, you've got a booking agent, you've got, you know, and again, you heard me talking earlier in the day-to-day part, well, we might have different booking agents in different territories. You've got a record label or someone who is helping you release your music, even if you're self-releasing it, usually there's a distributor or something. There's that relationship to manage. You've got merchandise, potentially an attorney, potentially a publicist, you know, yada, yada, yada. So big decisions come in, who are the right people to put into place, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've watched a number of artists who essentially don't allow their manager to do the job for which they're hired. They just want to retain all decision-making and not really turn anything over to the manager.
0: Where, where does that, where does that come from? Like, what do you think causes an artist to do that?
1: Uh, fear, okay. lack of trust, you know, like, oh my goodness, if I give this up, is this person going to do as good a job as me? Are they going to care as much? Da, 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 da. I don't think it's you know rooted in a terrible place. And most artists and managers work that out. Where I've seen it be detrimental is the manager who gets hired doesn't get enough time to make an impact. right? So if you came to me today and you've got this great career and you've gotten where you are because you made a lot of decisions. I mean, look, I don't know if you have a manager at, at for your photography stuff or you did at any point, but... You built yourself to a great place, right? And then presumably if you were to hire somebody, it's going to take them a minute to, and and I shouldn't say a minute, it's going to take them a certain amount of time. That's not, it's not clearly defined, but it's Mm going to take more than a minute. In, In an artist's case, I think a manager's relationship can't even start to get judged until they've been with an artist for a minimum of six months, oftentimes a year. Right. If, if you were in a band and I were to pick you up today and I go to build the team, well, I can't just, I mean, I can call all my friends, uh, sorry, people who have become my friends. I can't just call everyone around and immediately they're going to say, okay, well, because you're doing it, we're now going to pick it up. Yeah. It does happen sometimes. You know, there were some thriving relationships, especially with many of the artists that you toured with, where like record label agent and manager all kind of came together really quickly because. They'd proven when the, you know, the handful of those people were together, oftentimes success followed. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But by and large, I've got to go out and again, sell, educate is probably a better term of what it is the artist is trying to do, yada, yada, yada. So the big decisions are typically building the team members and then it becomes hard, right? You know, it's like uh, with Ice Nine Kills, for instance, you know, we, at some point, I don't remember what happened to their old agent, but we needed a new agent. We thought one person was clear for the role, you know, out of professional respect, we gave two other people opportunities to pitch. And one of the guys that did the pitch was uh, he impressed us so much. That's who we chose, right? The person we thought we were going to choose. And we were just courteously giving these other people a chance. Didn't get the job, Mm -hmm. right? Because we did the diligence. That's a big decision, right? You know, then from there, once you've built the team or you're still building the team, I mean, a lot of the big decisions are, yeah, I mean, do we take this tour offer? Do we, you know, do this certain thing? Do we sign this record deal or do we do this particular thing? And so what I often try to do is just present the information as best as I see it, share my experience related to it and give the artists the ability to ask whatever questions they want and ultimately allow them to make the decision because I have found when I've strong armed and I didn't think I was strong, strong arming, but when ultimately I push the river is what I like to call the rivers flowing down the road and I push it one way, yeah, right? It never works. I don't want to say it never works. It rarely works, Yeah, right? Because you who, you know, can probably identify with an artist, if you don't, feel like you were able to participate in the decision, right. And feel comfortable with the decision. There's always going to be a level of, well, was this actually right? Right. Like, why did this manager push us here? Even if those are some examples of big decisions, I I hope that, I hope that that's good enough. And if not ask more questions.
0: No, that was more than good enough. That was great. No, I like, hearing i like how deep you kind of go on all the decision making and the thought process and i can tell how passionate you are about these things and that you have thought about them a lot and you know it's great to hear what you know this years of growth and thinking and teaching have kind of all amounted to uh because i don't know i don't know it's, it's it's rewarding for us to be able to hear hear it all without having to go through you know i'm not saying going through the journey isn't fun but you know we only have one lifetime so it's nice to learn from other people that I would consider masters moving forward. I do have another question. This one's from a patron as well. And I think I know that, well, I don't know. I want to hear it come from a manager cause I've never specifically asked, you know, the podcast gives me the ability to kind of ask questions that maybe wouldn't be appropriate for me to ask as the photographer, but tell me about you know, this is from Mars. Shout out Mars! Uh, tell me about the pay structure for a manager. What is it typically, and how does it work? It's time to get paid, baby. Yeah, um, <laughs> gotta pay some rent. Gotta pay rent.
1: Another thank you to the patrons that participate and ask such great questions. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for asking the uncomfortable questions. That's how people learn. Yeah. But you know, there's just as many different pay structures as one can imagine because there are no you know, hard, fast rules. There's no, there's no regulating body that's overlooking this. There's no negotiated, you know, like with Spotify, for instance, there's a negotiated pay structure. And so you can't waver from that managers, you can do whatever the hell you want, really. By and large managers have always been paid on a commission basis, which is if the artist works and earns money, the manager is being compensated with some sort of percentage of that money. Right now, that can get broken down into so many different ways. Is it gross? Whereas, if you go out and play a show and you get paid $1, do I take X percent of $1, or do you go out and play a show for $1 and it costs you 50 cents to get there Mm -hmm. and I commission on the net, which is $1 minus 50 cents is 50 cents, right? You can see how it's much more advantageous to me to commission off of the gross, but there are oftentimes because my job is, it, it's it's very funny. My job is actually to try to make money for myself while the band is also making the maximum amount of money for themselves. Yeah, so If I'm paid out of their money, right? It can sometimes become a inverse relationship. <laughs> um, the best managers that I know don't really think about the money coming into them. Let me clarify that. They don't prioritize the money coming into them prior to what is, is best for the artist. Okay. I have to worry about the money that's coming into me. Otherwise I can't continue to do this and help the artist achieve the things that they're supposed to achieve. But there's all kinds of crazy things that happen. I mean, there's flat fees, you know, so, so many people frown on those or have frowned on those to me, the modern day music business, I think anything is up for negotiation. I think there's some things that continue to be in place and work because they, kind of always have worked, you know, if you think about it if I'm paid on a commission, I'm supposed to work harder to get the numbers higher, right? Which is best for the client so I can maximize the percentage or sorry, the percentage should stay the same. I'll maximize the amount that comes into me because as you know, the if the percentage is the same, the higher the number, the more money that's going to flow into me, but you know, long way of saying we get paid on a commission.
0: <laughs> yes. No, that makes sense. And I, I always wondered, you know, if it was gross or net and that makes sense that everything's negotiable. I feel like the, the music industry is really you make it what you want. Like you just find what you like to do and how you like to do it. And if you can convince other people to do it with you and it's mutually beneficial, you can usually, it sounds like you can usually make it work.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the hardest part is when you're trying, <laughs> I always like it, right? When uh, it's my pizza analogy where, you know if you at the end of the tour all that's left is one pizza and you're trying to feed five or six guys in a band and a manager and da 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 people are fighting over which slice is bigger you know all yeah. of that but when a band graduates and everybody's got their own pizza things come easier you know when everybody can add whatever toppings they want things become easier you know once you get your own brick oven to bake the pizza things become really easy right <laughs> So most of the problems are created, sadly, where I've spent most of my time, which is towards the bottom as things have grown, you know, and it's not to say that problems don't exist there too. I know plenty of managers who, you know, as the band gets bigger, right. And again, if you're paid on a percentage, as the band's number increases, the amount they're paying out to you increases. And so they come and say, well, last year you were doing this for, you know, X amount. (laughs) Why are we paying you 5X? It's essentially the same amount of work.
0: And you're saying, well,
1: dude, that's what we signed up for.
0: So that this year, yeah, the whole big picture is why I did it. Not because, yeah.
1: And you know, that's where things like contracts really help.
0: Yeah, I would say,
1: (laughs) you know, but uh, I mean, for me, I came from a punk rock world. I didn't, I I started and I didn't need a contract because if I told you I was going to do something, I was going to do it. And if I told you I was going to work for you, I was going to work as hard as I could. And I was going to, you know, and it became challenging because I thought that, you know, in this, I've learned this was my error. I thought that that was clear because I assumed you thought like I thought, well, no, people think so many different ways. Yeah. So it became much more advantageous to all of us to clear things up. What's the nature of the working relationship? Are there ways to revisit it if there's problems? And let's put that in the desk and let's all move on towards
0: hopefully shared success. No, I love to hear. And I can relate to what you're saying <laughs> about maybe needing a contract sometimes.
1: But that's the beauty, right? With You know, because you've gone through that, whatever it looked like for you, you've a, learned how to navigate it. B, hopefully not repeat it. And C, pass that wisdom on to that next generation who is, uh, is sitting there thinking, maybe I don't need a contract.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, one last question before we finish up here, if that's all right with you. I have heard, and in my experience, that there are a lot of managers with even artists that are pretty large that you know don't have an agreement with that artist that they they have to stay there. I think we can both agree that if an artist didn't like their manager, they wouldn't just stay. They would, you know, they would figure out a way to leave even if they're on a contract or they would agree upon that. I'm, I'm sure that's what the contract is for is like, this is how you leave. But what causes an artist and a manager? I mean, I don't know. Let me think how to phrase this real fast. Why do people break up? Yeah. I mean, why do people break up? But more importantly, why do they keep staying together? Even if there's, you know, what makes that relationship work so well that they don't even need a contract in, It would seem so scary from a manager perspective to not have one.
1: Uh, I would agree with you. It is very scary. Um, I think there's a a bit of a... Naive is not the right word because it works for some people, right? I've watched friends manage bands their entire careers. And I'm so amazed. The guy who used to work with me, he's kept his bands, every last one of them. And uh, I'm amazed by it because I'm like dude, I couldn't keep a band, you know, previously. Yeah. And what I realized is in his case, you know, we're, we're different people and he sort of, I've learned from that. And I, I now try to super serve the relationship with the person, right. As opposed to trying to maximize the opportunities and relationship for the band, which I think are two different things, but, you know, I think, People break up for all kinds of reasons. I don't know if this is the answer to this specific question, but like, you know, what's hard is I could work so hard for three years and you're out on tour in Boise and the show last night didn't go very well. And you break down on the side of the road, you're pissed off and you're looking for somebody to blame. And, you know, well, you happened to roll through LA three days ago and there was a really nice manager who was there and he bought you a bunch of drinks and said, call me anytime. <laughs> right yeah all of a sudden it sounds like a good time to call the guy what i have found is most of us that do this at a certain level we're basically the same and and i don't mean that we all talk the same way and that we're all as keen negotiators or whatever but what a manager has n- never been able to really do is for an extended period of time is make a band bigger than the band should be right so if there is not an underlying proficiency and um, competency and commerciality to what the artist is doing. No one is going to be able to magically get them opportunities for an extended period
0: of time. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I, just as an aside of, you know, this has happened in a long time, but You know, when I ran my own company, I was always in the mix in these conversations and I'd get artists that are like, dude, I just can't decide between you and, you know, basically a friend of mine. And I'm like, dude, close your eyes and flip a coin because, (laughs) because really we're equally
0: as good as each other. You're just enabling them to do what they do better. You're not making it all possible, I guess. Is that, is that an okay way to say it? I don't know. I'm trying to sum up what you said.
1: Yeah. I mean, and look, this is a bit, I mean, everything that I say because management, as you, astutely pointed out early on, I mean, it's very broad, like everything I'm saying, there's exceptions to all these rules. Yeah, And there's, I mean, cause none of these are rules. I think what I'm trying to drive the point home to anybody who is an artist, right. Is if you're expecting any relationship in this business to replace the core of what you're supposed to be doing, which is creating great art and performing and marketing your own great art. Eventually, no matter who's at the helm, you know, there won't be enough wind in the sails and those captains of the ships who have done this for a very long time. Right. then it's just about, well, you know, do I like the one with the leather seats and the, I'm trying to go with the ship analogy without having really been on many ships, but you know, do I like the leather seats or do I like the, you know,
0: cloth seats? As long as you don't sink, right. That's the goal. Oh, exactly. (laughs) That's great. No, I, I like that. Well, I think well put, sorry if I interrupted you at the end there and you were going to say that. I ah,
1: know I'm kind of scrapping, you know, this is one of those like trying to put a nice bow on it and maybe there isn't a nice bow. You know, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to get at other than if your manager, if, if a manager's talking to you and he's been at it or she's been at it for a long time, they're probably pretty freaking good.
0: <laughs> they know what to do. Well, thank I mean, that's pretty much all I had for you. I do have one last question because you have toured so you get the question everybody gets. When you toured, were you a shower shoes or no shower shoes kind of guy?
1: No shower shoes.
0: Amen. <laughs> that's what, well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining me for this hour. We appreciate that was great. That was amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you guys, man. This is a lot of fun. It's nice to to go and uh, revisit this. If anybody's looking for that ebook, pretty sure you can still go to outerloopcoaching.com. We'll oh, look at this. I don't even need to do my own promo.
0: No, yeah, that's all good.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, if people have questions, uh, patrons have more questions, Adam, you can always text me, man. I love hearing from you.
0: All right. Perfect. And I'll put all your socials in the links and then I'll get some more information about you for the intro. So we'll update on everybody. And just like, oh, well, why should I listen to this guy? Other than the fact that you have very good things to say.
1: Well, fantastic. This has been an honor. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, thank you so much.
0: Of course. Thank you. All right. Peace.